The fetus is just a parasite. I bet you also support the death penalty. Why are you so judgmental? And more coming right up. Stay tuned. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to artifacts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My name is Peter, host of the program, and with me is Cameron Cote, my wonderful co-host. How are you, sir? I am doing very well. I spent the morning training two members of our online action team that we talked about about a month ago or so from the time of recording. We got about six people already geared up to be better um, pro-life ambassadors for online engagement. I'm fired up for what we're soon going to be seeing on social media from pro-life ambassadors as a part of the pro-life guys podcast. If you want more, check out the show notes. That's right. I uh, I had an internship meeting this morning to prep for the internship that's coming in less than a month now, which is pretty exciting. Um, it's going to be different a little bit with some of the restrictions, but the internship is starting. And then the other day I did a, uh, a presentation to a church group in Quebec, uh, Canada, which was pretty cool. An apologetics training, sharing with them how to have good conversations. Um, so yeah, those, uh, those things are available. If you want to join the internship, there's a there's always a time to join the internship <laughs> and uh, there is training like we do on the podcast, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, I just want to say if you're new to the program, thank you for joining. It's, it's lovely to have you here. We, we're extremely thankful that you're listening. We'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you want to give feedback. So don't hesitate to do that. Uh, if you're wondering who we are, we are two guys. We live in Canada and we are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children. And we started this podcast to give you the tools that you need to change hearts and save lives from abortion. We have had countless conversations on the streets of Canada um, with people about about abortion, people who disagree with us. And we have seen time and again through the tactics that we will be sharing with you today that people have changed their mind and people have turned from abortion, canceled their abortion appointments uh, because of simple conversations. So we want to teach you and equip you to have those very conversations so that uh, if someone brings it up in the topic of abortion, you're not tongue-tied. You're not like, oh, man, I know what I believe, but I don't know how to communicate it. We want you to know how to communicate it. So stay tuned um, to what we're going to be talking about today. Kim, anything else before we dive into 
the first objection or the first justification for abortion. Yeah, another shout out that I just want to make before we dive into it with regards to our Patreon team. So as hopefully many of you have tuned into our YouTube channel, we are posting more and more video content um, up there, not only of, of these standard pro-life guy episodes, but also we got some, obviously our Humans of the Pro-Life Movement. We've got our Pulse that comes out once a month. Peter, you and I are both doing a little bit more kind of off-beaten track, just two, three-minute videos here and there. And with the add-on of video content, we we added a wonderful member to our production team. Maddie Halleck is still doing a ton of our um, production. But we added a guy named Attila, a good friend of, of both of ours here, um, who's done some work with CCPR we, before. We love him. Love him. What, what a guy. Um, I, I go on and on about Attila. But um, we're bringing him on. And with that, we, we have more costs because um, – it takes a lot of time to edit videos, especially videos with Peter and I in it. Um, at least one of us has a face made for radio, and so you can figure that one out. Um, we we are very appreciative of Attila, but we'd love to invite you to financially partner with the show so that we can um, put some food on Attila's table for him and all the work that he's doing here. So check in our Patreon, check it out in the show notes. That's the only one from me, though, Peter. Let's dive into it. Beauty. Yeah, no, patreon.com slash pro-life guys is where you can find us. All right, Cam, how many times have you been on the streets and you've heard something along the lines of like the pre-born children that you're talking about are like, they're just, you know, they're just parasites. You know, they attach themselves to their mothers. They feed off their mothers. They have, they're, they're parasites. They have a parasitic relationship and abortion. I mean, abortion is just, you know, removing this un- unnecessary and unwanted parasite. How many times have you heard something like that? I, I got to say at least dozens of times, maybe more than that. I feel like this is one of the, the newer arguments. I feel like I didn't hear this until a couple of years ago, maybe. Um, but it kind of people thought that the burning IVF clinic was going to be the, the bee's knees of the pro-abortion arguments. And they realized just how terrible of an argument that was. And, and I feel like the parasite argument really followed that one up. I'm sure that it's been a lot longer lived. But just on the street, I've, I've been hearing it more and more the last couple of years. Yeah, likewise. I, I can't speak to before the last couple of years because I just joined the last couple of years. Uh, but it certainly is something that I've heard as well. And I, I feel like you could say this uh, along with me. We've heard pro-life activists respond to this argument in really good ways. And we've heard them respond to this argument in less than effective or less than helpful ways in light of the goal that we have, which is, you know, highlighting the humanity of the preborn children, the inhumanity of abortion, and really trying to stay on topic with that. And so, I mean, let's, let's, let me ask you a question, Cam, mm-hmm. uh, how would kind of your, what would be an, an ineffective or, or somewhat incorrect way to respond to this argument that you think is less than helpful? And why would you say it's less than helpful? So, one thing that I've heard time and time again is people saying, well, no, actually, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines a parasite as being something of a different species. That is a statement which is accurate and completely factual. And so if, if this is something that right. you've said before, I'm not saying that you're getting it wrong. What I'm saying is that it might not be the most productive thing for conversation because as much as there are definitions laid out in dictionaries. I don't know how many of you actually have dictionaries left um, on your, your bookshelf or whatnot. I'm, I'm sure that uh, most people are just Googling stuff. Like Definitions in some ways are built by the culture, right? Like what does the culture mean by this term? And, and that's why I feel like you get into this conversation. I mean, the quick random shout out to my colleague, uh, Rachel, who's going to be featured on Humans of the Pro-Life Movement coming up here. Um, 
Rachel and I have debated the definition of a sport a million times over, and I fully reject the definition that Merriam-Webster puts down. I think that a sport has to be adjudicated on an objective standard with no interpretive points given. Um, Definitions are valuable, but I don't feel like this is the most productive way to engage on this topic. What I want to ask is, what are they getting at? What are they trying to say? Like, like not just what are the words that they're saying, but what are the, the concepts that they're trying to communicate? And for me, at least, Peter, I think that what they are trying to communicate oftentimes is that this is not a fair relationship, that I am giving so much and I'm not getting anything. I am giving my right. body, I'm giving my ability to consume alcohol and eat sushi, and I'm making so many sacrifices, and there are so many demands on me, and I'm not getting anything out of it. This is totally unfair. This is a parasitic relationship. That's what I think they're trying to get at. Okay, so what you, what you would say is they're talking less about what the preborn is and more about the relationship mm-hmm. that the mother has with the preborn. You talk about not eating sushi and not drinking alcohol. I can think of, you know, not even being able to sleep as comfortably as you'd like to, um, especially you know later on in pregnancy. Um, so yeah, many, many people would say that um, when you're in a pregnancy, you certainly are. I, I, I don't see a way to, to see it otherwise. You certainly are giving far more than you are receiving mm-hmm. from this relationship with your offspring. Okay. So how would you respond? I mean, so how would you, you know, we've talked about creating common ground. We've talked about using analogies and asking questions to tie the analogies that we use together and, and look at, you know, the analogies in light of abortion. So how would you create common ground with someone who says, you know, this relationship is parasitic and therefore, you know, ethically speaking, we're, we are justified to end the life of this child? So I think that I would start with what you said, the common ground of, you know, I totally agree that there are relationships in our lives that can be absolutely unbalanced and unfair. Like, I, I'm not going to go down the road of, but think about the joy that this kid is going to bring you because there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that can go back and forth and not a productive conversation. I would just be common ground. Yeah, I agree that this can be a really unfair and unbalanced relationship. And I would follow that with a question. Could we agree that the relationship dynamics between parents and children outside of the womb are also often unbalanced, right? I mean, uh, Peter, both you and I have young children, and I'm sure that there are days when we really weigh the cost of how much am I giving to this tiny human and what am I getting out of it? I mean, what I, uh, both you and I would probably say like we get out of it pure joy and, and the miracle of life and all that kind of stuff. But like, there are days when I give all of my patience and I give all of my time and energy and everything. And this is a massive drain. Could we agree that the dynamics between parents and kids outside of the womb are often unbalanced? And would we ever kill a born child because the relationship between them and their parents appears to be parasitic, appears to be unbalanced to the point where the parents aren't getting anything out of that relationship and all the kid is doing is take, take, taking? No, basically everyone is going to agree that no, you can't kill a born kid even if you think the relationship is unbalanced, even if you could characterize it as a parasitic style relationship. 
And then it just comes into that pivot question of if we're not going to kill a born child who is living in a somewhat parasitic relationship with their parents, why are we willing to kill a pre-born child who is living in a somewhat parasitic style relationship with their parents? That way you sidestep all of the trying to outweigh the negative impacts of pregnancy with the positive impacts of pregnancy. Sure, the baby's um, being pregnant is going to boost your immune system. Sure, being pregnant is going to give you some perks and joys that you wouldn't otherwise um, experience. However, I really think, like you said, Peter, that once you factor in the loss of sleep and all of the other factors that can crop up, it's not in our best interest to try to say that the parent are at, the parents are actually benefiting from being pregnant necessarily. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. I, I like how you, I mean, we have this framework in our minds of common ground analogy question. I like how you really clearly and articulately um, show how we can engage this argument. Now, I do wonder, I, I want to move on to the, the next argument that we have before us mm -hmm. as well, but I do wonder, um, like, does everyone you talk to kind of when they present the parasite argument, are they talking about a parasitic relationship or would it be helpful at times to just clarify that and ask the question, are you, are you saying that the preborn child is a parasite or are you saying that the relationship that they have with their mother uh, is the same that a parasite would have with its host? It, it's a good question, but I, so I would ask that after. I, I would assume that okay. what they mean is a parasitic relationship because not only nine times out of 10, is that what they actually mean? But I don't necessarily want to get bogged down in semantics because yes, you can respond to that hopefully very quickly of, no, no, what, what you are trying to convey, whether you know it or not, is a parasitic relationship because by definition, they're not a biological parasite um, for all of these reasons kind of thing that they're not in an unnatural environment, they're not blah, 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 all the kind of stuff that you can find in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. I wouldn't preface the conversation with that. I would only follow up if they're like, no, okay. no, no, I'm not talking about a parasitic relationship. I am that 10%. I am that one dentist who doesn't recommend brushing your teeth. Um, and I am saying that this is actually a parasite kind of thing. Right. Okay. So before we move to the next one, um, I, I think it's important for us to just highlight the human rights argument once again, I know people who have listened before have heard it uh, time and again, but it's it's one of those arguments we use so often that it's so good to get kind of emblazoned into our memory so that it, it just comes easily and and, and swiftly, as it were, uh, when we're in conversation. So before we go into our next abortion justification, could you just highlight for us the human rights argument, the four questions that we have here? For sure. And you're going to get the West Coast version of this because it's me answering and not Peter. So my first question do you agree that all humans should get human rights? Second question, if something is growing even from one cell to two cell to four cell, can we agree that it must be alive? If that living organism has human parents, sorry, this is question three. If that living organism has human parents, isn't he or she a living human? And question four, if abortion intentionally kills that living human, wouldn't that make abortion a human rights violation? Those are my four questions. And, and I think that they work really smoothly together. Wonderful. All right, Cam. Next up, we have the death penalty. And often, uh, I've heard this from both pro-lifers and pro-choicers alike, that if we say we are pro-life, to be consistently pro-life must also mean that we're against the death penalty. Or some, some people, you know, uh, as pro-choicers will try to stump us and say, you know, 
are, are you for the death penalty? And then use that to determine whether we are consistent in our pro-life convictions. Um, what are, I mean, the death penalty is a huge topic, uh, obviously, but let's, let's talk about it. So uh, again, there's a, a, a good opportunity for us to get sidetracked in our conversation here, but what are the people trying to say and how can we not get sidetracked in the conversation and keep the conversation on the topic of abortion, which was, which is what we want to talk about. Yeah. So I, I think that what they're trying to get at is trying to demonstrate that the pro-life can, um, worldview is somehow inconsistent. They're, they're trying to say that because of a perceived inconsistency, we can't trust you on anything else because this doesn't make sense. Now, nothing makes sense is what they're trying to get out very often. And like you said, I think that we need to absolutely try to avoid taking that bait because while there is a, uh, I was going to say a lively debate around the death penalty, but that, that seems a little bit um, too much of a pun for me. Um, while there is a conversation to be had around if and when the death penalty is appropriate, I don't think that you need to talk about the death penalty at all. I don't think that you should take that bait. I don't think you should take that red herring because how do pro-lifers succeed? We talk about the humanity of the preborn. How do abortion advocates succeed? They prevent us from talking about the humanity of the preborn. This, whether they know it or not, is simply a tactic to get you off of the issue at hand. And so this is not analogous. We are talking about abortion. We are discussing the ethics of ending the life of an innocent human being, by definition, an innocent human being. And so we, when we talk about the death penalty, obviously, there are a different set of ethics, presumably, that go along with whether or not you can kill guilty human beings, but they're different. And so that's what I think we need to bear in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's key. And just to highlight that, because sometimes it seems as if pro-lifers don't completely understand this uh, either, that the topic of abortion is surrounding the ethics of whether we should be allowed to end the life of an innocent human being. Each and every pre-born child, little boy, little girl, are innocent. They haven't done anything uh, worthy of the death penalty, as it were, worthy of losing their lives. And so there's the ethical question of whether that should be allowed. But the death penalty, in principle is about ending the life of a guilty human being, whether we should be allowed to end the life of someone who committed a horrific or horrendous crime. And, and because, because we're talking about two different types of human beings, as it were, these are not analogous. Now, you could get into a discussion about, yeah, but there could be people on death row who are actually innocent. And while that might be a worthy conversation, it doesn't change the fact that in principle, these two... Um, procedures, as it were, uh, the death penalty and abortion, it doesn't change the fact that those are completely different. So let's go back to, to creating common ground, Cam, and, and using analogies and asking some questions. How would you respond to this when someone brings this up to you when you're talking about abortion? So I, I would tie my common ground directly into my analogy and simply ask the question, you and I could agree that we absolutely should not be killing innocent humans, correct? Yeah. And if, if it's wrong to kill an innocent born human, why is it okay to kill an innocent preborn human? So really, you've just got the two steps in there because you in, inherently tie the analogy of born humans into your common ground that, yes, we agree it's wrong to kill innocent born humans. And so if it's wrong to kill an innocent born human, why isn't it wrong to kill an innocent preborn human? One thing that I will build on that, though, Peter, that so we obviously acknowledge the innocence of that preborn child. 
you may get pushback on whether or not they are truly innocent. In that, yes, they are not actively attacking me like a, a serial killer sort of thing where they want to harm me. But somebody might push back and say, whether they're trying to or not, they are harming me. Therefore, I am able to act in self-defense. And I think that a, a couple of steps along with the clarification can really help clarify that with them. I, I would, again, find the common ground of, yeah, I agree that being pregnant makes massive changes in somebody's life. Absolutely. And those changes might be very detrimental to that mother's health. Before I move into the analogy, I'm going to put in the definition, definition that we talked at length about with Dr. Ryan Wilson in a previous episode about whether or not abortion is ever medically necessary and clarify that um, should that mother's life be at risk, we should absolutely do whatever we can to preserve her life so long as we're not intentionally harming the life of that preborn child. That mother absolutely should receive medical aid, medical support, whether it's to prolong her life or even to ease the suffering and discomfort that she might be experiencing. Find that um, definition. Then finally, the analogy of imagine that there are born humans that are impacting your quality of life and maybe even your livelihood itself, whether this is um, like the this kid is driving me crazy or whether this is like this kid is actually driving me crazy this kid hasn't slept for three nights in a row and i'm actually losing my bearing on reality and i'm actually at risk of doing something terrible would we ever kill a born child to help parents cope with the massive impacts that born children have on their life and if not a born child why a pre-born child sound fair that sounds good to me sir i i like the question uh, that you ask, and it's one that I often ask as well when this comes up. It's it's regardless of whether you think it's okay to kill guilty people, don't you think that we could agree that it's always wrong to kill innocent people? And I found for myself nine times out of 10, um, the conversation goes right to abortion because we actually talk about the, you know, who the preborn are, whether they're innocent or guilty. I, I've rarely had it um, from my end that people challenge whether they're innocent or not. Um, but it goes into the humanity of the preborn children. So that's that's what I would, uh, I mean, that, that's how I would respond. That's how you would respond. That's really good. But it, the, the key thing to, to remember is that these two are not analogous at the end of the day. And so we don't want to get bogged down by talking about every issue on the side of abortion, on, you know, different sides of abortion mm -hmm. or um, just that the, the culture is facing. We want to stick with that, the key topic of abortion and, and who the human, who the preborn are, and what abortion does to them. All right, Cam, now we, we transition a little bit um, because this is less of an argument that people present to us and more of a statement that they make um, based upon the actions that we are doing. And the statement is, so what most people will know who've listened to this program for any length of time is that we stand on street corners and at high schools and colleges with images of abortion victims. And these images communicate the truth about abortion um, I mean, way quicker than we can over open our mouths and, and the effects of of having the image of a of a 10 week old preborn child who lost his or her life to abortion is an image that sticks in their minds uh, far after the conversation has ended. But a lot of people, you know, before we even open our mouths, they'll look at the image and they'll say something along the lines of Cam. Maybe they don't know your name. So, sir, you are so judgmental. I don't know if anyone's called you, sir, on the streets, but. Not often, but but I'll take it. 
Maybe maybe another colorful word because they don't actually like what you're doing. But they say something along the lines of you are so judgmental. What you're just trying to judge women, um, all of this kind of stuff. I mean, let's ask the same questions. So what are they getting at and how can we not get distracted and how can we not kind of take the conversation into left field precisely where we don't want it to go? Yeah. So I I feel like what they're getting at is this idea of, I feel attacked by what you're saying. You're calling me a bad person. You're calling a loved one of mine, a bad person. I feel attacked by what you're saying. And before we get into this, like, um, distracting sort of thing about, oh, they're just a snowflake or just a this or that kind of thing in contemporary society, it is very, very common for an overwhelming majority of people to have been raised with the concept of I am a sum of my actions. I am what I do. The The idea of you are what you eat is no longer really out there. They don't right. talk about that once you're like more than a kid. Um, after that, it becomes you are what you do. And that's like, I see this played out all the time with like, do you regret anything from your life? And how many celebrities be like, no, I don't regret anything. I live and learn and I move on to the next day. And I mean, I, I regret a million things. I regret every single one of my sins that I've ever done in my entire life. I regret every one of them. I wish that I hadn't done any of them. Sure, God um, writes straight lines on a crooked whatever, whatever the expression is, but um, I, I wish that I had never sinned ever. I regret every single one of them. That's what they're getting at, that they are not separating an action from a person and they're feeling attacked because we are attacking an action. And so while it might be cathartic to use like a, a very like, well, you're being pretty judgmental of me being judgmental. Like we're all just being judgmental now. That can be cathartic. That's right. But I don't think that that's productive. I think that we need to engage them in a meaningful way that isn't just excuses. It's not just clarifications, but rather diving into it, right? Common ground. You know, we'd all agree that we don't want to be condemned as people and we don't want people calling us bad people. Obviously, we agree that that nobody should be calling people um, terrible, awful human beings. Imagine that a friend of yours consistently did something that was harming the people around them, whether they were doing it intentionally or not. Could we agree that you could be opposed to what they're doing without hating that friend of yours? Whether this is drinking excessively and then harming the people around them, whether drinking and driving or even just like being belligerent at parties and bars and and things like that, or whether this is something like, um, you know, uh, uh, um, we often use the the drinking and driving example, whether this is child abuse, whether this is um, putting other people at risk, whether this is even something as benign, not that speeding is benign, but like something as simple as speeding. That I can be against speeding without thinking that you're a terrible human being. That I can judge an action without judging a person, right? So I, that was a really long analogy, but I, you could cut that down in any way. And, and so I would just condense that into the question of if I can be opposed to an action and not condemn a person when it comes to these other issues, why not abortion? Why can we not call abortion the human rights violation that it is without judging people for who they are? Make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, that's, that certainly does. And as you're, you're saying that, I, I was thinking about some of the conversations that I've had where people have said something like this. And, and for me, there are times, you know, like you said, people think that they are what they do, where there are people who have 
had abortions in the past or or got other people to have abortions. And and basically what they're saying is, you know, why do you think that I'm such a bad person? As you're saying, what are the questions that that I've asked time and again, um, right off the right off the bat is what do you think someone like me thinks about someone who's had an abortion um, or thinks about someone who holds a pro-abortion worldview? And I often see what they say, and, and that's an opportunity for me to just kind of correct any sort of assumptions that they might have about my character or my perception of them. And I have had many a fruitful conversation after those moments, after they're like, okay, this dude, you know, doesn't hate my entire life because I think abortion's okay. Therefore, we can have that good conversation. So that's been a, a key question for me, Cam. I don't know if you've, you've used that at all. So I, I got to be honest, I actually, this is one of the few times that I don't ask a question. I, I've asked that question a lot of times and I've had some success with it, but I've also gotten into like a, what Greg Coco would call a steamroller conversation where it, where it becomes like a five minute tirade of what they think that I think about them. And sometimes I am, I just go at it very proactive and I say, do you know how much I care about people who have had abortions and how much I want the best for them. I know people, I I got friends, I got friends from high school, from university, I got friends from working in the pro-life movement who have had abortions and I care deeply about them. And I want you to know that. And and just putting that out there, putting that out there for them to be like, oh man, this guy walks the talk. This isn't just a, a hypothetical kind of thing. Like this dude knows people who have had abortions and he doesn't hate them. So sometimes I'll just be proactive rather than asking the question, I guess. And that, and that's just something that you can figure out what's going to work best for you, I guess. Yeah, that's good. And I, and I think that highlights, um, you know, while there are incorrect and ineffective ways to engage in conversations, there are times when different analogies will work or different questions will work, perhaps in different situations. So being aware of those, being aware of the different ways that activists respond to some of the things that they hear uh, are extremely helpful kind of in your arsenal uh, as you go onto the streets and and have these extremely valuable and important conversations. And with that, uh, we're going to wrap things up. We wanted to keep this at roughly a 30-minute episode um, to make it really, really accessible. We we hope to do more of these. Um, This is the second one like this that we are doing. So thank you so much for tuning in. As, As you listen to some of these arguments, we'd love to hear what you think about them. Uh, about the ways that we responded. We'd also love to hear if you were able to use them in a conversation. How did it go? How did the, the person respond? Was there something that they responded that you're like, huh, I didn't listen. I didn't actually hear the pro-life guys discuss this element. Uh, maybe they could do that in their next episode like this. And we'd be more than happy to either to email with you to talk about it on the podcast if it's something we've just overlooked. Um, so do reach out to us. You can do that uh, through our website, which is prolifeguys.com. Or you can do it by finding us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gab, MeWe. I mean, wherever you do your your uh, your social media. We're on YouTube, as Cam mentioned. And I want to highlight one video on YouTube. If you go to the our channel, the Pro-Life Guys podcast, there is a, a talk that Cam did last year, two years, I think two years ago now. Um, it's it's an apologetics talk. It's, it's a, a long, about, I don't know, 45 minutes, I think. Don't quote me on that because I don't actually uh, know. I think it's about that long. Um, but it's a talk on how to change someone's mind on abortion. Cam just slowly and articulately walks through a lot of the arguments that we use. I mean, we talk about them on the podcast, um, but that's a really, really helpful resource as well as that video of, of him doing an actual presentation. So go check that out on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe on that channel as well. Subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. 
And uh, I'm going to pass this over to Cam before we finally wrap this up. Yeah. So two quick things that I'll say before you, you bring us home, Peter, um, just as a teaser for our next episode, the next two that we had on our, our little um, show notes thing um, that we didn't get to today, um, abortion is just a decision between a woman and her doctor, and abortion is just a decision between a woman and her God. We will get into that next episode, plus whatever you want to tack on. The only other thing that I'll mention, so that talk that Peter just referenced um, was a wonderful opportunity. So that was at the 2019 National Pro-Life Conference here in Canada. If you would like to book either Peter or I or both of us for a presentation, whether it's a virtual presentation or an in-person presentation, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We love meeting with different, whether it's a church group, whether it's a pro-life organization, whether it's a school group, whatever it may be, reach out to the two of us. We would love nothing more than to connect with you on sharing more about the content that we cover here on a, on a weekly basis, but also, like Peter said, this kind of um, all-inclusive um, pro-life workshop, how to have good and effective conversations about the pro-life issue, about abortion, so that you can change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. So hit us up if you want us to, to speak to any group, large or small, let us know, and, and we'll try to make it work. There you go. ProLifeGuys.com. We want to remind you of our Patreon page, patreon.com slash ProLifeGuys. Join the, the team financially. So that together we can equip pro-lifers, not only in Canada, not only in North America, but we have listeners around the world who are being equipped and prepared to have effective and winsome conversations on abortion. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Peter. That is Cam, the wonderful co-host with the magnificent beard. And we will be back next week. God bless you all.